Welcome back to the Debate Without Debate podcast, to another episode, to a new location. We're currently in a music room, yep. <laughs> which is a really interesting setup. Anyone who's watching definitely doesn't look like home. I am joined today with an incredible human, an incredible person, an activist, a social entrepreneur. Gas me up, man. Also runs his own podcast. It's my roommate. His name is Everett Smith. We finally made it onto the show, man. I know. Like fin- been- to our first collaboration, hopefully. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. We find. Yeah. I've been meaning to get on DWD for like three months, dude. Yeah. Since we met. Since I found out. Right. It sounded like such a cool, such a cool project. For any of the listeners who don't know, um, yeah, I'm Everett. Like I run Young Democracy. Um, yeah, you can check that. We'll li- we'll link to that later. Absolutely, but and we'll put that in the description of this podcast. Yeah, I think it's cool. We're finally in Georgetown, and we've been busy like yeah. doing all of our orientation stuff, and now we're like actually back in the studio, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> whatever studio studio this is, yeah. right? Yeah, and we're finally we're finally gonna be back and recording and 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 jumping back in. So. Maybe we can we can explain a little bit what we're thinking for this collab. Yeah, you want to do that? Absolutely. So, you mentioned that we were doing orientation pretty much all this week, and I think that's the subject of today's conversation. To give a little bit of background, um, we've basically spent the last five days running wild on campus. We've had um, a lot of fun. Yes, but it's been it's been, it's been a little stressful at times, meeting a whole bunch of people. But regardless. We've noticed that we've been pretty damn disconnected from the world, from media especially, and I think that's the topic of conversation for today, what it's been like being two politically conscious kids interested in politics, interested in the day-to-day life of our political system, and what that's been like to disconnect for a week. And at the end, we're going we're gonna to jump into some things, some headlines that we haven't disclosed to each other that we're going to talk a little bit about. We're going to inform each other on the pod. Uh, so first up, Everett, how how has it been this week? How informed have you been about politics? What are you, are you keeping up on stuff? Is there any avenue that you're watching stuff? Because like, we don't have a TV in our room. Which is so nice. You think so? I, I, I haven't looked at the news in the past seven days, right? We've been here almost exactly a week. I haven't looked at the news in seven days. That's the longest I've gone without seeing some kind of political or global economic like disaster piece Mm. in a year, man. Mm. And it's so, it's so refreshing. Like I haven't even looked at Netflix in a week. Like that's that's big for me. All right. Like that's huge. I haven't watched a YouTube video. I I, like, I've barely even gone on Instagram. Like it's just being surrounded by people who are like so, so wicked smart. Like, right. Like (laughs) goodwill, like so much, so much wicked smarter than I am. Like, I, I don't know, man, it's electric. Like I, I, I love, not having to go to the news and not having to go to TV to be like totally entertained. Mm. And uh, like, I don't know. I think everyone should try that. I hope, I hope like anyone else who's starting college, like that's, you haven't gone on Netflix yet. Cause if you, we did watch the bachelor. That's true. Bachelor but that was, that was like with everyone. And it was, that was like 40 thing. people. It's, 
It was good. Oh, you're embarrassed. All right. Okay. <laughs> all right. I no, dropped. no, it's good. It's good. Um, yeah, we watched. Yeah, with just us and all the all the all the gals all the in the on. dorm. Yeah. yeah. But um, I think the only news I've seen really is I've been able to get to the gym a few times. And when I'm on the treadmill, they have like CNN playing in there. And honestly, I don't even want to look at it. Yeah. Like it consumes so much of our attention. And especially with this administration, every single day seems like a new catastrophe. Um, Whether that literally be that there are catastrophes every single day or that the news can hyperbolize events and manipulate public perception that's like a very interesting thing in my mind of journalism of the news media especially the 24-hour news cycle how much they can control our perception of the world it's super intrusive yeah like i i don't understand why someone would want to watch the news while they're on the treadmill running because like that's for me that's that's the time i I just like zero out like yeah. it's, it's very meditative like i'm just totally alone in my head and like i don't want to think about anything mm. right and i think a lot of what's maybe toxic with modern news culture and with like the interconnectedness of the internet isn't necessarily that they're reporting on terrible things because terrible things happen and, and we need to know that they happen so that we can address them and so that we can construct a worldview that makes sense and takes all of the uncomfortable things into account but it's the fact that it's so constant yeah it's a constant drip of anxiety fear provoking like negative news negative stories yeah have you have you ever heard of like there's a form of torture where they literally drop they drop a single water droplet on your head yeah and you literally go insane you because yeah. it's just that consistent like hyper consistency with anything can literally drive you mad which, which is why i'm glad like i haven't looked at the news in yeah. a week i feel more prepared to look look at the news like today we were researching stuff and i was scrolling through the economist and for the first time in a in a long time that i've read like a the front page of a newspaper with all of the different stories i was able to think uh, more clearly about what's important and what's salient and deciding what i wanted to bring up on the show i was like what's the biggest issue that is interesting and that we can talk about and that's going to have effects because i think a lot of what we hear about are things that they're not systemic they're trivial they're events not processes they're events Mm. not movements and like focusing on a single event on that minutia on that detail you can lose the bigger slower like i think that's one of the problems with with us addressing climate change yeah go go off right hit it all right like you can you can have a one-day news story about a mass shooting and that will get like massive attention right and that will spark debate but that's like that will take place in in the event takes place in like less than 15 minutes right 15 minutes to a couple of hours climate change we're talking about a decades-long news story yeah like that's not the scale that human beings are well adapted to think about i also think in the climate change debate we're contextualizing it just all wrong what do you mean so 
many people on the podcast, if you've listened to anything that I've said before about politics, you know I enjoy listening at least to Mayor Pete. I think he's a very good speaker. There are some issues I have with him, as do I have with many other candidates, but I find him to be a really, really interesting guy. One of the things that he says related to the climate change debate that I think is very, very important and very accurate is he thinks that the way that especially our media portrays the climate debate or climate change in general is they show the ice caps melting. Yeah. But they never show the effects that it has on everyday communities. So he brings up, there are like these two lines that he always says when it's related to climate change. It's like, well, like when I was mayor of South Bend, we had a thousand year flood and a 500 year flood within, I think, something like a year of each other. Right. And he says that every single time, but he's right. Yeah. Like when we contextualize it back to the neighborhood, back to your community, like every single person is affected by this. Some people are far more affected even than others. That I think is a much more compelling case than our ice caps are melting, our water is rising, this, that, the other. Because then it seems long term, but the effects are happening right now in every single community. And we're just not taking notice. It personalizes it. Yeah. Ice caps melting is like is kind of an abstraction, yeah. right? It's like no, I you I mean I, you're totally right. Ice caps aren't melt- melting. Like that's not the problem. The problem isn't that the world is getting warmer. The problem is that we're looking at changing weather patterns. Mm. Is that we're going to be looking at droughts and crop failures. Yeah. Like, I was thinking like the the problem is not global warming, right? The problem is like. The problem is the effect that that will have on people. Yeah. Right? It's like, I don't... I love nature, like, as, as aesthetically and and from, from just, like, awe at its complexity. But I care about people fundamentally, mm. right? And, like, you need to make it about people. Mm. People mm. care about people. They don't care so about it's, an it's iceberg. It's a tad human centric is it not like i'm a human centrist so really yeah really okay that's interesting some people we'll push back argument. on that a lot mm-hmm. um because a life is a life and and in a way classifying one life as being a superior life form like i can understand why people make the argument as quote unquote the most intelligent species that has lived on this earth to date which some people even argue with which is totally fine um, I can understand why people th- would make that argument, but you have to ask yourself at the end of the day, like, is it totally right? For I, I think a lot about um, for farming. Um, so the reason why I went plant-based is because I watched a documentary with my family. It's called What the Health. focuses a lot on the nutritional side of um, farming, of eating meat products, eating animal products. But there are other documentaries, too, that, like, fork over knives, which elicits a very, very propaganda-like response. Almost like it was... um, What do you mean by that? It's almost like they depict it in a very particular way that's haunting. Like, I can remember the image of cows being slaughtered, like, viciously, um, and their treatment, I can remember that image in my head. It's almost if you see a traumatic event and it's last with you. Like they, they wanted to elicit a response where you could remember it for the rest of your life. Which, I mean, I guess is a good thing, right? But especially when it comes to, to the news media, um, as well as propaganda-like 
images to make a purpose, I'm highly skeptical because even if it is for a good end, there is still the possibility that it could be manipulated and misused, right? Like that's my fundamental concern with marketing as well. Yeah. Because you can create your own need with markets, um, within markets, with marketing. You can control the market. You can Mm -hmm. manipulate the market. You can redraw the market so that it it serves you. And I, I mean, listen, there's a lot of messed up marketing. There's a lot. I think one of the central challenges we need to deal with in capitalism is this issue that there's a huge incentive to give people what they want, not what's good for them. Mm. There's a huge incentive to make people want what you can give them, regardless of whether or not you're telling them the truth and regardless of whether or not what you have is is deeply terrible for them. Like you look at the tobacco industry, you look at the alcohol industry, and I think we're going to start to see it with the cannabis industry. Like people want these things. They break brain chemistry. Like they will rewire your brain. And I'm not advocating people like engage in total abstinence. Yeah. Right? But I think we need to recognize that when profit and markets and capital becomes mixed up with human brain chemistry, you get to a whole different level of manipulation, Mm. right? Like Mm. we're at marketing 2.0 at this point, right? People are profiling your personality and figuring out precisely the kind of information that they need to tell you in order to influence your behavior, regardless of whether or not that information is remotely true. And it's scary too. Like I, I liked, we've had a conversation a bit, a little bit about this before, but when you look at on Instagram, right? Instagram has ads as does Facebook, their access to your private information allows them to make a guess, at least a very, very educated guess with algorithms, the whole shebang about what you might be interested on. Uh, and, that's part of the reason why Instagram's, um, their ads have now increased, uh, not only in just their use, but also in the price to put them out there because people realize it's a very easy way to access a huge community. But one thing I think a lot about when it comes to uh, social media and especially uh, as it's related to news or as to, to marketing, which in my mind are very similar in a way, is we give up so much of our privacy for convenience who the hell listens or watches or reads all the fine details like the Nobody terms of did. agreement right does anyone really read that like i don't i sure as hell know i don't and it's concerning never... like i wish there was something that could skim through it and be like listen this is a red flag that's right. an entrepreneurial idea. Actually, right. I think I heard of a business like that. Mm. I think of it. I'm going to go back and check in on that because you've reminded me. Yeah. But did you ever I watched the movie The Great Hack, which I have is not, definitely worth it. Watch The Great Hack. It's on Netflix. <laughs> also companion piece, watch um Brexit, the mo- the do- the it's a dramatized version with Benedict Cumberbatch mm. and it details the interior of the Leave campaign. And what you get from both of those is this idea that marketing has become a driving force of society and a driving force of culture. Yeah. Like our internet 
culture, our Instagram culture is so dynamic and it changes so quickly and it's so decentralized that like we should really we should not be surprised if in the next five years a lot of the viral memes that take place have been engineered in some Fortune 500 lab or in right. some no, marketing I think firm. About, like I think about like the meme culture. Meme culture will be taken over in some capacity by like I think Wendy's is a great example. Wendy's yeah. Twitter. If any of you have not seen it, it's basically Wendy. Someone's running Wendy's account, like roasting other fast food companies. Which there's some research to indicate that if you call out your competitors by name in your own marketing, people are more inclined to buy it. Um, by yours or by, by the competitors? By yours, like significantly more than just saying other man. fast food companies say this. They're Instead, going they hard. say McDonald's going gives you bad burgers, but when you come to Wendy's, we give you a great chicken sandwich. Well, I think it's like it's a it's a totally new. I don't know if cultural appropriation is the right word, but it's it is like taking a piece of internet culture of youth culture and totally twisting it towards. A corporate end? Toward, yeah, towards the creation of profit and mm. the influence of behavior. Like, some, it, it's as if, imagine the, the cinnamon challenge was engineered by cinnamon That would be genius. Right? By, like, what is it, dull sugar yeah. or whatever. Like, something like that's going to that, happen yeah. in, the next, in the next five years, dude. I'd be shocked if it takes five years. And, like, we, I think we're going to need to be very... We're going to need to be very, very careful about how we create culture mm. on the Internet. And we're going to have to be very intentional about how we create culture and how we. I don't I don't want to like caution people about spreading memes, but it's like be careful about what it seems like everyone else is talking about. Be careful about what it seems like is in the news or everyone cares about or be careful about what seems like the new normal, because. There are people with a lot of money invested in figuring out how to control the new normal. Mm. And it's like, I don't know how we're going to combat that or like yeah. remain independent. I think the past week has at least taught me that when you get people together in person and you fill their lives with enough stimulation in person and enough conversation and enough connection and community in person that they no longer need this stuff yeah i haven't like, used my phone like at all right yeah right like barely like i under five times have i gone out on like a piece of of social media and i think once we build real life physical communities that are capable of like creating culture out in the real world that's one step of making culture creation more independent, making it more resistant to attempts at like marketing manipulation. Yeah, I one rule of thumb that I always use when I meet people, for example, online, like Everett and I met online. That's how we yeah, became oh my God. Fantastic story. I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point. That's crazy. But um, the, my rule of thumb is like get on a call as soon as possible because you want to know what they're actually like. Yeah. Or, or even... FaceTime, if you can get in person, that's perfect. And that's how you, I think it's very hard to have a super meaningful relationship when it's simply on your phone, when you're just texting them or even just calling them. Yeah, I, yeah, I think you're totally right. You get more 
in person. You, there's a lot more information conveyed just in people's voices and the intonation and the and the timing of everything yeah. that they say. Like people communicate a massive amount of information about who they are just vocally, and that's all information that you lose when you're texting someone. I have thought about though, like how kind of privileged it is that like. I was able to get on a call with you and I'm able to meet people in real life and not not have the same level of fear of something malicious happening to me mm. that I think like that I think people with other identities if they were doing the stuff that we're doing would face and like that would be a barrier. And I didn't think about that for a long time, but I've been thinking about that for like the past month cuz I I saw something it was like I saw something one of my, like one of my friends was like talking to I think it was a meme actually. <laughs> right? It's like pe- all right, memory formation is crazy. Yeah. Like you memory formation is weird so I'm not surprised that I thought like something one of my friends said was actually meme, but the meme went I I was talking to my female friend and I uh, and like I the memer, right? Like OP was right reddit culture yeah oh i haven't gotten on reddit like at all no not not in like six months oh yeah i haven't been on in six months it was about like op who's male was talking about how going on first dates is so fun what's the worst thing that can happen like you have a like it's awkward and the female friend was like, that is not at all the worst thing that could happen <laughs> if I, like, went on a date yeah. with someone who was, yeah, like, there is a big crazy. Th- yeah. And I think just just that privilege of, like, being able to engage in the world and meet people and not be, a f- like, not have reason to be afraid of them. I don't know. Where do you, where do you think that comes from? I think is it's... It, is it simply because, like, we're white guys? Yeah. Yeah? I think a big part of it is is me being male, Mm. And a big part of it is me being white sure. and recognizing that, like, rates of violent crime against likely. people with those identities are pretty low. Mm. Pretty low. Well, we did we did an activity this week that revolved around stuff yeah. like that. That was um, cool. And it, it's a, it's, I think it's very good to put things in context. I've, I've talked a little bit. I don't know about if I've talked about it on the podcast, but I'll, I'll re-explain the concept. Um, I truly believe that the way that we begin to appreciate things is through context. Mm -hmm. If you live in a bubble where you think everyone has a mansion and a pool and a yacht and this, that, the other, you're not going to appreciate it in my mind as much as when you get a reality check. Some people might call it checking your privilege. Um, as someone who, for example, may live in that lifestyle but also commits themselves to activism to help other people because you know like spider-man moment i really like spider-man yeah like with great power comes great responsibility uh best quote (laughs) of all time from a marvel movie from any marvel anything that and the thanos snap because that's a meme in and of itself i haven't seen that don't what i haven't seen all right that was like a huge we'll go see it all right man that was a huge thing (laughs) huge pop cult it's really weird too how how quickly like you you mentioned memes before and it's something that i think about a lot how a lot of our pop cultures run through memes like that thanos snap moment or like i'm sorry for anyone who hasn't watched 
like that movie before, but like you're a little late on it. Yeah. So like when when uh, Spider Man's like disappearing, right? Like Wait, that what? moment. That oh my god, I just ruined it, didn't I? Wait, what? <laughs> no, no, don't worry about it. Forget I said anything. But th- <laughs> those two moments were very highlighted in meme culture, and I think it drove a lot of people to go and see the movie. Another weird thing, there was a conspiracy theory. I don't really like conspiracy theories, but um, I find them to be like a tad bit of a waste of time because there's just so many. But there was a conspiracy theory about, they can get about the toxic. AirPods, right? For the longest time, people thought AirPods were stupid. They were like, this is literally just Apple headphones with the wires detached. Like, why would I buy this? Why? Like, I get it. It's Bluetooth, but, like, I can get a Bluetooth anything. What's the point? But then you started seeing them come up in memes. Like, there was a whole video that went viral um, where it was, like, people with AirPods be, like, basically. That was, like, the concept. And it was, like, very foofy, like, I'm richer than you, holier than thou, all that stuff. Funny stuff. But I actually think that made people want to go and buy AirPods more. So they had a conspiracy that Apple was making and putting out memes through through Twitter to get reposted everywhere. So people started feeling like they needed to buy it for social validation. Dude, why wouldn't they? Like Apple, it's so, Apple it's such spends a smart idea. how many millions of dollars a year on marketing and advertising. They revolutionized the game yeah. in advertising in like the late 2000s. I'd be shocked if they weren't. Mm. I think it'd be way more surprising if they weren't. It's also kind of interesting because individuals are now almost acting as mini marketers for companies, right? It's it's like almost a democratization of marketing because the network is just so much larger. Like you're not, you don't necessarily have to pay to have an advertisement on like, let's say channel four of your local news station. You don't need that anymore. Better strategy is, like, hire someone who's really, really good at creating a video, make a dope video. Like, Apple, I think that's what they're really good at. They're, like you were saying before, their their ads still, like, they're catchy. They have good music. It's popular. It's a little out there. They do some weird stuff, so it stays in your brain. Um, but all of that could, you could just make a viral video out of it, right? And guess what? I think your traction would be far greater. Like yeah. throw it, throw it up on like a, a YouTube or like meme culture on Twitter. I think is huge. Everything gets retweeted. People will see it subconsciously, even if they don't look at it for very long. They'll remember it. If they see it again when they're in the store. They'll be like, "Oh, I remember this. This seems cool. Let me check it out." And they'll they'll share it. Yeah. Right. Like, can you imagine how much it would have changed? Like, do, can you imagine how valuable it is? to a marketing agency or to a marketer to know like this piece of material that you're building like every person you show it to 30 percent of them are going to show it to someone else yeah right and they might do it they might like 30 percent of them might show it to like a hundred other people more realistically like 500 to 3,000 right like that's crazy people have their individual networks and there's a there's a greater trust i think if it comes from the individual person because you know them personally you don't know the company personally 
that's actually inf- like the trust factor of influencer marketing has been backed up by research. I need to go yeah. find the name of the study I read, but it was and that's always dangerous, right? Like their studies show. Well, but like, studies can show this, that, and studies the other, can show yeah. a lot of things. Yeah. But still, it's interesting. I think it's valid, and, and it makes it makes sense given my worldview that people trust influencers more than they would trust a piece of direct advertising. And I don't know what that means for the future of marketing. It probably just means that things will shift as I think they already have to being more so on social media than on television. But it's different from that. Yeah. Right? Like there's like, I think there's something else in terms of, I think that's like correct. I think you're spot on. But also influencers can be gatekeepers. Influencers get to make decisions about which products they choose to be sponsored by. Influencers get to make decisions about how they present those products. Like now you have a class of people who are semi-independent. And if a lot of them are young and a lot of them come from like middle or upper class backgrounds, then they have a little more leverage. They don't necessarily, they don't need the money as 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 much of a driving force like they may have other family household incomes to rely on you have a class of people who get an option in deciding what marketing gets put out there and what products they choose to promote and i think that's exciting given the values of most young people at least the aspiration of values yeah. i think it could mean a greater push towards equity and capitalism, towards environmental sustainability and capitalism, towards um, combating gender discrimination and capitalism, yeah. promoting fair trade. That's that's fascinating, and, and it starts with such a, so it's very grassroots, I think. And and personally, I believe all politics. Uh, I'm I'm gonna swing us back to politics for a hot Let's second, do it. but. I think all politics is local. Um, that's not a quote for me. I've heard other people say it as we well. We were talking about that yeah. two nights you ago. Have, you had a great line about bringing basically would, politics back to the neighborhood. I go wild on all, like, all politics should be local. All politics. But that's where the real change happens. Like, if you think about any major political movement, um, populism, progressivism, any other ism that you can think about probably came from a group of people who were like pretty pissed off and were like, I need to change some stuff. Where am I going to go? I'm going to go to the capital that's nearest to me. They're not going to D.C. We, we happen to be in D.C. right now. Yep. Right. And there's a ton of activism. There's ton, tons of people who are interested in politics and business, et cetera, et cetera. But you don't have to be here to engage with the political process. And I think that's a fundamental misconception of people who are interested in politics that everything is federal no. we have a dual system there's so much political power that is reserved in town halls and city halls and state legislature and the craziest thing dude lots of these elections go uncontested oh yeah lots of these elections have only one candidate and the amount of fundraising required to get in there and the amount of work required to win, it's doable. Mm-hmm. Like you can do it. Any of like any of the listeners, if you meet the age requirements, like 
you can run for office and you don't have to be governor but that's you don't a crazy have to go thing to right like you can go and it's a part-time job you can have a job mm. you can have a job mm. you can go to school it's a little bit of a conflict of interest there but i understand what you're saying right no like you have you have your career like lots of city council people are like doctors mm. right or like small business owners lots of these people have an outside life and they get to make real decisions that affect the community and like that's that's it too you should care about the people who are around you and i think people do like i think there's a bias for proximity people yeah, have a bias I agree. I agree to care about the people in in their area and you have an outsized ability to impact their lives and help them. That's how, like, when people want to make grand changes in this world, I think it has to start on an individual basis. Yeah. Right? Like, you need people to buy into the idea. And the only way you start is with one person. So many people are caught up, especially when they have an idea. And I've fallen prey to this a lot as well, of thinking far too much in advance. And there is a level of momentum that's necessary, in my opinion, to get something off the ground and to just go yes. and see where the chips fall and see see what you can do. Be a little spontaneous. That's something I'm working on. Plan less, do more. Talk less, do more. It's terrifying, but I think right. it's the path that... It's the, it's the path that when I've followed it and I've, I've rarely followed it, I often overthink things. I... Th I th overthink things and overanalyze things and then i'm too scared to actually go out and do it mm. most of the time and like even in the small moments that i that i've gotten over that and i've decided like this is a moment for action like i'm gonna take the risk and and do what i think is right and bear the consequences those have been the pr some of the most productive decisions of right. my life I'll, some of them have ended poorly but that's the whole point Right? But overall, dude, I think it's the only strategy. Yeah. I think it's the only strategy that makes sense. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Debate Without Debate podcast. If you want to catch the second half of this conversation, go check out Everett's podcast, Young Democracy, on iTunes and also on Spotify. He has a really great podcast, one that I listen to very frequently. And on there, we discussed some of the headlines that we had missed during this week without news media. Anyway, this is the Debate Without Debate podcast signing off until next week. Joey, I'll see you with that episode next week. We out. Peace.